0: Well, good morning, White Oak, and uh, welcome. So glad you're here today, and uh, and we're just really uh, looking forward to uh, this message this morning and being able to continue in our Made for More series series. Uh, I want to pause and just say thank you uh, a lot of you who are friends with me on Facebook have been reaching out or just sharing with me on Friday my grandfather who was 92 passed away he was a, he's been an elder at the church at Bright where I grew up for as long as I've been alive and just a uh, just a staple in that community and so uh, this morning as we sing about a living hope as we sing about Overcoming uh, that gri- that the grave has no grip on me that, that was a message that I needed to hear this morning. that was hope that was uh, that was real for me and so I hope that you appreciated just uh, being able to worship together as well and be reminded of those simple truths that uh, that Jesus is the victory and, and so today, as we kind of um, are in our third week of the Made for More series. Uh, our, our big idea today is that we are made to love more. And uh, so uh, this idea of love more is what we're going to be really looking at. And it's a part of this series uh, and that um, we've made available as a part of this series, this assessment. And uh, Rick sent out in his in focus this week, if you get that email, that uh, over 122 people since last Sunday, have begun to take the assessment that we're talking about, the, the made-for-more assessment, and that uh, nearly 75 people have completed this, the assessment already. And, uh, and what it is, is it's a it's an assessment that you can take online for free to find out about your giftedness. Uh, what it is that you are made for more of. And, uh, and so it's been really cool to hear people's stories. I came up last week and, uh, to pick my kids up from Fusion on Sunday night. And the whole Fusion team, uh, Kyle's leaders that he has, were just talking about all the different things that they were finding out about themselves from taking the assessment. And so uh, just to recap really quick, if you were with us last Last week or if you, uh, if you haven't, if you weren't with us or if you maybe you just kind of aren't aware of what's going on, we just want to really quick, okay uh, let you know what you need to do. You need to go to our website, the wcc.com if you want to take the assessment and uh, the first thing you want to do is carve out about 20 or 30 minutes to take it. All right. And uh, that's step one. Uh, I think we had those slides where we got the, yeah, there we go. Um, And then uh, there's some reflection questions that are at the end. Make sure that you complete those because what happens is you take the assessment, you get the results back, and we get the results back. And that's how we can help partner with you to get you on what's next for you. All right. Make sure that you're plugged into the right ministry. And so unless you complete all those reflection questions at the end, we don't get the feedback. And so uh, make sure that you do that. Um, If you start it and you can't complete it in one sitting, that's fine. Uh, You create a user login just like with anything else and so you just come back to it. Uh, There's no purchase necessary. You just go to giftpassionstory.com to pick up where you left off. Um, Again, You'll get an email when you complete it about a book that you can buy. That's completely up to you if you, if you need an extra resource, uh, but it's not required, and, and, uh, and we have some here. If you'd like to borrow one, we can get one for you. You can just let us know. So, um, and then after you take the assessment, I think we've got a slide that'll kind of help walk us through Well, this is, so last week we showed myself and Rick and Nathan, and so now we have Karen, Darren, and Aaron. Try saying that really fast. Um, And so uh, we're just showing some of our leaders and some of our team. um, So you can see Karen here, leadership and faith. Those are some of the strengths that she came back with from the assessment. Darren, giving and teaching. And, uh, and Aaron hospitality and knowledge. So just kind of some of the fun things to find out a little bit about our team and our staff and, uh, some of the things that you can find out about yourself if you take the assessment. So some of the next steps that would happen if you go through the assessment and maybe you're there, you've kind of taken the assessment or you're almost done with it, um, is that you can sign up to talk for, with a made for more coach. Uh, You can attend a made-for-more debrief session. That would be with a larger group of people. Uh, You can look for opportunities to use your gifts and passions. Um, Once you complete it, you'll get access to a list of different available ministries that you can plug into. You can let us know, hey, I'm ready. Uh, I found a ministry that I want to jump into, and it looks like it fits my uh, my profile, and I want to do that. You can just let us know, hey, I'm already serving and, uh, and I'm in my sweet spot. So these are some of the options that you'll get after you complete the assessment. So all of that, just kind of really quickly, just as a reminder from where we were last week, is that big part of this Made for More series is that we want you to be experiencing what it is that God created you specifically to do. And, and one of the ways that we're trying to help do that, this is just a tool, is to have you take the assessment and, uh, and try to figure out, hone in on, what is it really that God, where is it that God wants me? And, uh, and am I there now, or do I need to look for other opportunities where I could really use my gifts and my strengths to be able to impact the kingdom? You know? And so uh, today as we talk about this idea of love more, one of the things that we want you to know as a part of this is that we, we believe— That you have a masterpiece mission. It comes from Ephesians chapter 2 where God says that we are his masterpiece. And we believe that you have a mission specifically tailored to the masterpiece that he created you to be. And here at White Oak we want to be an equipping place. We want to help you discover and accomplish your masterpiece mission. So that's a lot about what all of this is for. For this series, we've been using Ephesians as the foundation for our teaching uh, about being made for more. It's a letter that Paul wrote to Gentile and Jewish Christians alike living in modern-day Turkey. Uh, Gentile means that the people did not belong to the original people of God. They were not Jewish, not a part of Abraham, Moses, David, that whole Old Testament thing that we read about. Uh, These people have been seen for generations to be outsiders. And through Jesus, everyone has gained access to God. That's part of the good news story that we talk about. So in chapter 3 of Ephesians, Paul is sharing with these new Christians who, who now are adopted into the family of God about this great mystery. The mystery of how Jesus takes things that once did not belong and makes them family. How Jesus takes things that were once dead I was just, as we just sang about, and, and, and he makes them alive. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6, we're going to put it up here on the screen. It says this, it says, The mystery is that through the gospel, or good news, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise of Christ Jesus. I keep that up there for just a second. And one of the things that we want to see here is this idea that, that these Gentiles, these people who would have been seen for, as outsiders for thousands of years, now, through the mystery of what Jesus does, has taken the nation of Israel, who we read about in the Old Testament, and he's brought them together, and he's made everyone one family. And, uh, and this is important for us to know as we kind of read through this. Jesus says, once you didn't belong... But now you share in the inheritance. Now you are family. So in the midst of this, Paul offers up a prayer to these Christians. And so it's that prayer that Zach alluded to in our communion time that we really want to focus on this morning. And I'll tell you that it's just this idea that that Paul is praying for these Christians. So in Ephesians chapter 3... Starting with verse 14 through 21, we're going to look at this prayer. And so if you've got your Bible today, I just uh, I ask that you turn to Ephesians chapter 3. We've got Bibles in front of you. Uh, you can get a Bible at the Hub if you don't have one and you would like one. But we're going, to, we're going to start with verse 14 in chapter 3. And Paul says this, he says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of the glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that as Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is in work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. It's Paul's prayer for the church in Ephesus. And it's a beautiful prayer you know I've been to Bible college and I've read these verses probably a thousand times but as I was preparing for today it was the first time that maybe I slowed down enough to recognize and realize that this passage the the high and long and deep and wide is your love uh, you know that that was a prayer that it was a prayer and that it was a prayer that was about coming together to be one family. And, and Paul's big idea, his big message in the midst of this prayer is that you are loved. You are loved. And, and let me tell you, some of us have come in here today, and, 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 if, and if you don't hear anything else, and, and if you don't hear anything else that we say, you came in here today because you just needed to be reminded that you're loved. You need to be reminded that the God who created the universe loves you. It's something that uh, while true, we can lose sight of. It's something while true that we need reminded of. In the midst of whatever's going on in your life and in the midst of whatever your week look like. Some of us walk in today just needing to be reminded that God loves us very much. And that's at the heart of what Paul's trying to do in this prayer. It's a reminder to God's people that they are loved. So we want to we wanna break this passage down and kind of kind of slowly go through it. Alright? One of the first phrases that he uses is From every fam- family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Okay? So Paul says that that, that God is this person from whom every family derives its name. Paul saying that we're all one. This is how he begins his prayer, and it's a reminder to everyone that from the very beginning of time, that God's plan was for one family. From the very beginning, God has always wanted and always been about one. One people, one name, one family. And so Paul's reminding people that, hey, we are all one as we think about this idea that we are in Christ. And we don't have the time today to try to sort through and try to understand why God had a chosen people, the nation of Israel, and and why things were the way they were in the Old Testament. But let me tell you, God has always loved all people. God has always had a plan to reconcile all people. It's been one family, and it's always been about this idea that Jesus was going to be the one to bring everything together. From every family, in heaven and on earth, derives his name. We all derive our name from one place, and that is from God. I pray, the, the next phrase we want to look at, he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you. Now, let me just tell you, God the Creator, He has excess. He's all-powerful. He gives us strength out of His overflow. I've heard Dave Ramsey talk about this idea that He wants us to set ourselves up so that if we encounter a need, a friend or a family member or somebody that we just come across that, that needs something, he says, he says that we should set ourselves up in a way that we can, if we choose to, help out with that need. I mean, just imagine how freeing that would be. A child comes to you with a need, and you have excess, and you have resources to be able to help take care of whatever it is that they're dealing with. You've got a friend at work that, you know, car breaks down, and, and you just feel for them. You know that they're, they're strapped, and they can't help, but you have excess, and you can just take care of that. Man, that, that, that would be a really, really cool thing to have. Is that, that, that we were in a position, that we were in a situation that because of how much we had, that we could just help and bless other people. Well, God has excess. God has more than we could ever imagine. And God, out of his overflow, gives us strength. That's what Paul says. He says, God gives us strength out of his overflow that that he might be able to give us, out of his excess, the strength. Right? God has ultimate strength. And Paul is asking him to fill us out of his glorious riches. To strengthen us with the power, through his spirit, in our inner being. And there's days where I feel like I'm running on empty there's, there's moments where you feel like that you just can't go on, and I need that from God. I need God to fill me up with his glory, through his spirit. And, uh, and that's what Paul's praying for. Now, I want you to see, it's not just any strength, right? It's not just any kind of strength, but it's a strength with a purpose. When I feel weak, when I'm not good enough... To have God pouring his power into me, to my very core. That Christ dwells in your heart. None of this is possible. We don't have access to this power if it's not through Jesus. And he says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power. Right? Rooted and established. Paul uses these two phrases here, and it's almost like he wants to make sure that everyone gets what he's saying because he uses these two Greek words that originally would have been an agriculture phrase, this idea rooted, and an architecture word in this word that he uses with established. It's kind of like the roots of a tree is one. One. And then like the foundation of a house is the other. Rooted and established, he says. He says that I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power. Right? That that we would be dug down deep. That that we would be set firm on this idea of love. Love. That our roots would be planted in love and that our home, our foundation would be set on love. That these roots and this foundation would give, give us power and not just any power. Look what he says here. He says, power to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Paul, before, used the word mystery. He says, I want to make known to you this great mystery. If you want to understand just how much you are loved by Jesus, he says, it's a mystery to understand how much Jesus loves you. And and Paul is praying, he says, I pray that you might have the power, the power to just understand, to grasp how much God loves you. You ever think about that? That Paul is praying and asking that we might just be able to comprehend how much we're loved. If you've ever raised kids, I'm in the midst of trying with my wife doing most of the legwork, raising four. All right, And we've got a couple teenagers and we've got a 10-year-old and a 12-year-old son. And there are moments when, when you're just at odds, right? Where you just... And if you could just get them to understand that what you're doing, what you're telling them is because you love them, right? You just desperately want them to understand that the boundaries that you're setting up or the punishment that you're giving them, that it's all out of love. That you wish nothing more. That could you just comprehend how much I love you? Could you just grasp... That everything that I'm doing is out of love. And I think that's what Paul is doing. He's saying, saying, I wish that you had the power. I wish that you had the ability to just comprehend how much God loves you. To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And the next phrase is, he says, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge... Again, there's a mystery to all this. We all felt like we don't belong. We felt like we don't fit in. We felt unloved. We felt unwanted. And Paul is speaking to a group of people who have very often been exiled, who have very often felt like outsiders, and most would have been um, by the people of God. The people that God established has made other people feel like that they don't belong. And Paul is trying to help them understand that they are loved. Paul's prayer is for them to grasp and to know just how much Jesus loves them. Entire prayer, all about understanding just how loved we are by Jesus. And Paul is praying that we might experience more love. And when we understand, and when we really get just how much we are loved by Christ, then we turn around and we are challenged to love more. We are made to love more. We love God more and we love others more. We love God because he first loved us and it's a response. We love others because we want everyone to experience the joy of belonging. We want everyone to know that Jesus loves them too. The love that we experience from Jesus is the fuel for our Mission. You understand that? The love that we experience from Jesus is the fuel for our mission. Last week we told you that we believe that every person has a masterpiece mission. Well, the love of Jesus that comes in and changes our lives is the fuel. It's the motivation. It's the spark that ignites us to go and do We can't take the message of Jesus to the world on empty. This power, this love that Paul's praying for, it is the fuel that fuels our mission. I don't know how many of you are Star Wars fans, uh, but the new trilogy uh, has just come to a close, and in it there's a character, Poe Dameron. He's a pilot and a soldier for the good guys, known as the rebellion against the evil First Order. And he's trying to pump up his, his team. He's trying to get his uh, people to understand what it is that they're fighting for. And so he, he has this line. He says, we are the spark that lights the fire that will burn the first order down. Let me tell you that Jesus and his love is the spark that will light a fire for our mission in our life. Jesus' love is the spark that will ignite the fire of mission in our life. The assessment is meant to help drive you towards your mission. But here's the truth. We all have a very simple mission. To tell other people about Jesus. One of the things that we really want you to understand is this idea we're going to put up on the screen. Is that we would be a follower of Jesus that makes other followers of Jesus. It's as, it's as basic as you can get. It's this idea that we are followers of Jesus that make other followers of Jesus. It's the Great Commission simplified. This idea that we would be a follower that would make other followers. So how do we do that? Uh, the assessment might help you find a path. A specific way that you can live out your masterpiece mission. But in reality, we accomplish this goal of being followers of Jesus that makes other followers of Jesus by loving more. By loving more. The church is made to love more. So what's this mission look like lived out for us? First thing that I want to challenge you to do is that we have to be with Jesus. All right? All right. It sounds really easy, but the first step for Jesus' 12 followers, they were called his disciples, those 12, the very first step is that they were just with Jesus. They just spent time with him. Where he went, they went. Where he slept, they slept. What he ate, they ate. And they were just together. And one of the first steps that we need, one of the things that we need to be really about is just spending time with Jesus. Jesus. In verse 17, Paul says that Jesus may dwell in our heart. We, we just need to slow down. We simply need to be in Jesus' presence. And so, what does your be with Jesus look like? I know for a lot of us, maybe we think, hey, you know what I mean? I come on Sunday mornings, and that's my be with Jesus moment. But if this is it, if, if this is all of your be with Jesus time that you have during the week and you're missing out on so many opportunities and Jesus just needs us to be with him. Because when we're with him, the second one is true. We become more like Jesus. The more time we spend with him, we tell this to teenagers all the time. There's, there's a saying for teenagers that you will be the sum of your five closest friends. The five people that you hang out with the most, you will be a sum of them, right? And so you tell your kids, you know, hey, who who you hang around with is going to influence who you are. Who we hang around with is going to influence who we are. And so we want to be with Jesus because the more we're with Jesus, the more we become like Jesus. How does spending time with Jesus, really being with Jesus affect my marriage? How does being with Jesus affect my friendships, my work, my relationships, my relationship with my parents? How am I becoming more and more like Jesus? If Jesus truly dwells in my heart, it should transform everything that we do and how we do it. We were becoming more and more like Jesus. We often ask ourselves, what would Jesus do? But let me rephrase the question for you. If Jesus was me, Right. If he was Kevin Smith, if he was a middle-aged white guy living in Midwest, pastor in a church, father, husband, what would he do in this situation? What would Jesus do if he were me? Because I'm becoming more and more like him. If he were me, if he were in my circumstances, if he were in my shoes, what would he do? Here at Colerain, we host a Bhutanese Christian church. And uh, Ron is one of the pastors that is there. And he's been demonstrating what it means to become more and more like Jesus. And, uh, and so we want you to watch this testimony of Ron and, uh, and kind of his journey Trying to be more like Jesus. Check out this uh, video.
1: To be honest, I did not hear about Jesus when I came to U.S. I came to U.S. in 2013. Uh, I was raised in faith by Hinduism. I came here in U.S. in 2013 after my dad passed away in the same same year. Uh, I was here for around year, and then we did not have any priest around here. I used to work uh, two jobs then, because I had a little baby. My wife used to stay home to keep up my family. I used to work two jobs. Uh, to follow Jesus, I started driving church van. I used to give transportation to people to fetch them to the service and then take them home. And whenever I was free, I used to take them out to shoppings for their groceries and all. So when I got that connection with the people, I started gaining love from them. There I found Jesus. We started with seven families. There were about 21 to 30 people in the church.
0: So we just uh,
1: kept growing, kept growing, and then we started uh, spreading the establishment of our church news around in the community. And more of people started coming in. So by now, our church, I think by 2016, our church outgrown the capacity of the room in 223. so we had to move down to gym, where it could hold more people, and then I have found joy, I have found peace, I have found love, I have found life, I found everything in Christ, after I transformed and when I recalled about my past, <clears throat> when I was uh, then in Hinduism, we used to perform a lot of religious and traditional activities. But those, when I recall now, were all fake. We were we were living in fakeism. There were no realities in the life. Like uh, we used to worship stones for nothing. We used to worship people for nothing. But now we knew that we are worshiping the real living Lord. So that's how I got inspired. And I am now being able to inspire people.
0: I don't know if you, yeah, it's good. So it's the Bhutanese Emmanuel Church of Cincinnati, and it meets right here in our building. And uh, I don't know if you caught what he said, but at the end, but he said he was inspired by God, and now he wants to inspire other people. That's, that's kind of what we were talking about here. This idea that Jesus does something in my life, and now I want to pass that on to somebody else. Right? Uh, Jesus is doing something in me, and now I want to do what Jesus does. That's our third point that we're going to bring up, right? It's this idea that, that I be with Jesus, that I become more like Jesus, and then I begin to do what Jesus does. And run is experiencing the blessings of just trying to simply do what Jesus does. They began meeting in a small room here, and now they've taken over our old gymnasium, and uh, man, they're just doing amazing work trying to reach a segment of the population that a lot of people are missing. And we're called to do that too. That, that's our, our masterpiece mission, right? We're with Jesus and we're becoming more like Jesus, and then we begin to try to do what Jesus does. And let me tell you one thing Jesus loves. He loves more. Paul paints this beautiful picture of how wide and long and high and deep the love of Jesus is. Jesus loves more. And so, how do we, being with Jesus and becoming more like Jesus, how do we begin to love the way Jesus loves? And let me tell you, it's all a pursuit. We've never quite attained it, right? We're never quite there, but we continue on. Philippians chapter 3 verse 12 says this. He says, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. We're never quite there, but we're trying to do what Jesus does. We're trying to love like Jesus loves. One of the things that we want you to know is that we are made to love more because Jesus loved more. We are made to love more Because Jesus loved more. It's really, really simple. We come in here today and we're just reminded that Jesus loves us very, very much. And if you are appreciative of what Jesus has done in your life, then you're going to want to share that message of hope with other people. And so when we recognize that we're loved by Jesus, we recognize that we want to love other people the way that Jesus loves people. It's a response. And so this morning as we kind of wrap things up, one of the things I just want to remind you of is, you know, we talk about this all the time, but if you want an example of how much Jesus loves us, you don't have to look any further than the cross. Right? Jesus gave up his life for you and for me. And if you've come here today and and you don't know what that relationship with Jesus looks like, you, you just need to take the first step and just be with Jesus. And I'd love to have a conversation with you about that. I'd love to talk to you about that. And so come and find me. You can mark that on your connection card. You can turn that in. But we would love to talk to you about what it looks like to be with Jesus. We are made to love more because Jesus loves more. What I want to do for us is Paul's passage in Ephesians that we read today, it's a prayer. And like I said, I spent a lot of time in, in the Bible and, and just recently recognized that this was just this prayer for Paul. And so I want to pray this over you, that, that you might be able to experience how wide and deep and high and long the love of Jesus is that you are loved and that you're called to love more. And so what I ask you to do, I just want to ask you to stand. And I'm going to read this prayer out over you. I just close your eyes. And then when I'm finished, Zach is going to lead us in a song. Dearly Father, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family and Heaven and on earth derives His name. I pray that out of His glorious riches He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit and your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. According to his power that is work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. Forever and ever. Amen.